0: Hi there and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why as it pertains to our poly lives. Hi there, this is Lindsay jumping in. Before we start, I just wanted to let you guys know that Katie was not on the beginning of this call and actually jumped in halfway through part two, which is why it's just me in the beginning. But hope you enjoy. You're listening to episode 56, where we chat with Hollis. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truth about our poly lives. All right. So, Hollis, who are you?
1: Well, my name is Hollis, and I am 37. I live in uh, the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. I am married, and I also am poly. I identify as non-binary or gender fluid, and
0: I am bisexual. So you kind of mentioned that, but um, how do you identify, is our next question, but maybe more specifically, how do you identify with polyamory?
1: Sure. So with polyamory, like I had mentioned, I am married, but we strive to view our polyamory as a couple in a non hierarchical way and more of a... A fluid loving way and we've been married for almost 10 years and but we strive in our in our poly dynamic we strive to to allow ourselves to have more less black and white less color inside the lines type of relationship where it's non-hierarchical and we practice more focus on loving each other loving others and and taking others needs and, and our needs into account however that looks L- love is freedom. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what drew you to polyamory? To be honest, we explored it initially because we were looking for outside sexual partners. And at that point, that's all we were looking for. And being the people we are, um, it evolved into polyamory. And I'm not complaining about that at all. (laughs) I'm very grateful for it. But but that's kind of how it happened. It was just like we went from being just quote unquote open to Relating with other people and open relating and and practicing ethical non-monogamy. Cool. What would you say polyamory means to you? To me, as I said before, like it means freedom, it means loving each other, whoever our partner is, and allowing them to be who they are and also recognizing ourselves in that as well, and making love a choice, however that looks.
0: Do you find anything particularly difficult about polyamory?
1: I think a lot of times when it comes to to new partners, I myself tend to be more introverted. And so defining a certain dynamic, whether it be with another introvert or an extrovert or an ambivert, sometimes it's just getting used to balancing my own time because as an introvert, I need recharge time. But then when I when I have a new partner, you know, you get excited with your new relationship energy, you want to spend time with that person. And for me, sometimes it's like, I have to be mindful of who I am at the core. Sure. So when did you know you were poly? I always joke and say I've been poly my whole life. I just didn't realize it, but, (laughs) um, I, I think that would be probably the best answer, but we opened our marriage about seven years ago. So, okay.
0: Yeah. When, if ever, did you feel different? If you feel different.
1: Um, since I was born, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I've never felt like the type of person that fits into a certain box or anything like that. Follows societal norms. That as far back as I can remember, I um, I've always kind of danced to the beat of my own drum and had my own independent thoughts and and I've been very okay with that. At times, I know it can be very alienating for people, but it also helped me grow my self awareness and. Make me realize people that i want to connect with and can connect with versus not wanting to have anything to do with sure where would you say you
0: are in your poly journey
1: i would say i'm right where i need to be <laughs> <laughs> i i would say that i feel very solid about my my polyamory lifestyle i feel like i've i've got a few good years under my belt i I've learned a lot of communication styles. I've learned a lot about myself, about my other partners. So I feel like you're always learning when it comes to poly, but I don't feel like a newbie, that's for sure. Like I, I would say I would feel more like a veteran, if anything.
0: Do you have any like poly goals or where do you hope to go in your poly journey? So
1: it's probably going to be a while, but we kind of have this dream of eventually having some land and having almost like a little poly hippie commune type thing, and however that would look, but it's just something we talk about how cool it would be. So that's maybe a long off goal, but that's it's a goal.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a a common ideal goal. Who's like I want to live live off the land or something, you know, like off in our own little poly bubble. Um, so why do you think you are poly?
1: I think for me, like since I feel love is such freedom and it's a choice that it doesn't make sense ever for me to feel like I have to be with one person or connect with one person for the rest of my life. And I think it's just, it's just who I am. It doesn't like, I don't think there's any reason why. I think it's just something that I've found in myself and I've accepted it. And I just continue to grow with
0: it. And I, our last of our uh, intro questions is, why did you agree to be interviewed today? I personally interview a lot of people
1: on, uh, well, I interview people weekly, and I feel like it's good to have good content, good interviews. And I like the Milwaukee Poly group. I think it's a great group. And if I can contribute to that in some way, I think this would, is a great way.
0: Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Polyamory Uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product. We have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks one that includes a planner because of course we'd be planning and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated (laughs) truths. And I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the polyamory uncensored planner and journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory-themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com poly2021. That's tinyurl.com poly2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. So we are back with Hollis, and today we're going to talk about a little bit of a couple things, specifically parallel polyamory uh, and how that relates to relationship anarchy, and then also uh, the kind of concept of finding your soul people. So to begin, what is parallel polyamory?
1: So a lot of people, I think, tend to know about kitchen table polyamory, where you have you have other you have other partners. You might have a like a nesting partner or um, a spouse or whatever, and then you have outside partners, and maybe you all communicate. You all would do something like have a board game night or some sort of thing like that or I'll go apple picking together where you interact or even if you don't have activities together maybe you just interact whether that be like a group chat or what have you and you perhaps if if you are partnered with somebody and you want and say you personally want to meet somebody else perhaps you might meet that person with that person there's a lot of I guess from what I understand about kitchen table poly, like group communication, kind of being together, essentially. Um, So for my husband and I, that was something that we decided that we did not want. I don't know. I don't know exactly, exactly why. Like, I think it's just because him and I are two very independent people. And part of being poly for us was letting ourselves be free, our free spirits, more or less. And then like, The thought of combining two other relationships together maybe is overwhelming for us that's probably the best reasoning i can think of and for us as we are both highly self-aware we know that like we want to give fully to somebody else or other people and not have to worry about the needs of each other in that sense Mm. so when we're together we're together when we're not together we're not together and obviously, like with respect to, to the fact that we are partners and we have other partners, right? So parallel polyamory is basically—I don't want to say the opposite, but we don't like. I I have met my, I have met some of my metas. Um, he's met some of his, but it's not something that we require, or even necessarily like need need to make happen. Um. So yeah, so it's basically where we, we both have outside partners or a partner and that's our partnership. Now, if something comes up where we have to talk to each other about, about our outside partners or whatever, or scheduling or whatever it may be, obviously we're welcome to do so and we're open to do so. But it's not anything that we require of each other. So it's definitely more, more fluid and our own, our own dynamic. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Actually, when you explain it that way, I, I tend to think that I've definitely had both where kitchen table poly was a, a thing and then um relationships where I have almost no relationship with my meta whatsoever. Like I said, like 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 you said, maybe I met them once or twice, but not not really a friendship or a uh, ongoing I don't know relationship in any way maybe not even Facebook friends or something you know like so okay. I totally get that and I know that for some people it can be reassuring or some or, or maybe like kind of quell some insecurities if they have a, a relationship with their meta but for some people I think it actually makes it better to not have really yeah so I, I totally get both sides you know I totally get where um, yeah. both people might be coming from like reasons why they would want to
1: I think at times, like for us, we, we, I think it helps with jealousy in a way, like not, not being super connected with our metas, because I feel like a lot of times jealousy comes from comparing and insecurity. And if you don't know, like if you don't know about a lot about your metas or there's not a connection there, like not that we're trying to avoid jealousy, because it's a very valid feeling, but like, I don't know, I think the people that him and I are, it's helpful to that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how does parallel polyamory work with relationship anarchy? And also maybe kind of if you have a a definition in mind of what is relationship anarchy?
1: Sure. So relationship anarchy, I think on the broad spectrum, is where you're not falling into the lines of what would be like a quote-unquote normal relationship, right? So you might have a label in... A normal relationship like boyfriend girlfriend or girlfriend girlfriend or whatever boyfriend boyfriend we tend to use the word partner a lot versus like any other label if if it needs a label that's our I guess our generic word my husband has one partner and they refer to each other as boyfriend girlfriend and that's fine um he he's had more than one partner in the past but right now that's that's what he has and that's That's okay with him that's okay with her and that's okay with me now my side i have i have two different partners and then i have um people that i would consider like which we'll get to like my soul family my chosen family what have you and it can be anywhere from platonic to romantic to sexual to what have you right so that's kind of the the relationship anarchy part where you might have a deep connection with somebody, but you don't have necessarily a romantic connection, or you might not have a sexual connection, but that doesn't make them any less important than any of your, your other partners. So when I choose to spend time with people, I choose to connect with them on, on a deeper level. I don't really have, like I have co-workers and I have some what I call surface friends, but the people in my life who... I talk to every day or communicate with every day. I want them to be part of my life. They want to be part of my life and we are connected
0: and close. So however that looks. Sure. Less important labels, I guess, or or no labels sometimes like, yeah. Right. And there's,
1: there's not like necessarily definitive lines either, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's always like, there's love and support and caring and. But there's also, you know, there's going to be the ugly side. I don't want to say the ugly side of it, but there's also going to be struggles and, you know, the human things, right? Like um, communication problems or whatever, whatever makes up an entire relationship.
0: Sure. So to get to soul people and soul family, what does that mean?
1: Sure. So, like, I don't know if I, most people have, come across somebody that there's a few different, <clears throat> I guess, definitions of soul family. Like maybe you come across somebody that you feel like I've met this person now, but I feel like I've known them a long time. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you want to continue talking with that person, however that may look. Um, maybe somebody that you just feel a connection with right away. Um, it can also, if you are, have like a deeper understanding of higher consciousness you might think like if if you think of maybe this isn't your first time around being alive and you are connecting with this person you've connected with them in a past life and you're like this is my person like this is not my first time meeting this person ever if that makes sense too so there's kind of that that um, higher consciousness soul family as well and it can be anything from just something like chosen family, where you have that strong connection, you have a, a strong, deep understanding of them, and maybe um, they're not your blood family, but you care about them just as much as you care about your your own family, if you have your own family. So, for me, if it wasn't for polyamory, I would not have met some of my people in my life who are who I would consider my soul family. And to me, that's, that's like a very beautiful thing about being polyamorous is it has allowed me to connect with people who, if I was just monogamous, probably would have never found and have enhanced, um, enhanced my life and I've enhanced theirs. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I totally get that. Yeah. If. I mean, had it not been for polyamory, I wouldn't have found my husband. I wouldn't have had a daughter, you know, like even just a very traditional sense of family. Like I only found this family because of polyamory. So I totally understand that. But then all of the people in the community that mean so much to me, like they're all there because of polyamory and they're all people who mean so much. So yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. It's, it's really cool because especially if you don't have a good or positive relationship with your family of blood, you know, um, there it's, I I found out recently this, the proverb um, blood is thicker than water. It actually comes from this old kind of like witchy proverb of the blood of the coven is richer (laughs) than the water of the womb. I'm almost positive as it was meaning specifically almost the exact opposite of what the, what the proverb has come to mean that your chosen family, your like coven is um, way more important than the, um, than your family that you share a bloodline with because that's just water you know like <laughs> the 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 your friends and your loved ones and the people who you, uh hold dear are always going to be more important to you and when i read that i was like oh my god that's so correct like yes i the people in my life who i actually want to spend time with are far more a priority to me than honestly <laughs> most of my 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 blood relatives um and the people who i want to grow old with are my my chosen family mm.
1: I I couldn't agree more, especially because, like, as you become, I think as you get older and you become more self-aware, you realize, like, you, you know, you may quote-unquote love your blood family, um, but that's just because that's who they are, right? Like,
0: right, you're like, you (laughs) quote-unquote have to,
1: (laughs) right, or like, and you realize that maybe there you experience some trauma, or maybe you experience some, like, where you have to set up boundaries, and not that you don't have to set up boundaries with, like, your chosen family or anything like that, but, it's like you get more fulfillment of, out of connecting with those people, and and that's okay. I think that's definitely okay, and it's very okay. It's very okay for me. I um I've always felt like friends are the family you choose, and that could be like a partner who's a friend or just a friend or however that looks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that that um, that feeling of like, well, you have to love your family because they're your family. It almost makes it less I don't know it like lessens it because when it comes to someone you choose to be in your life uh, you you choose for them to be there you don't they don't have to be there you don't you don't have to put up with whatever they're doing but if you choose to put up with something that like say you know disagreements and 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 little things that go wrong in the relationship or or communication issues and you're putting work into that relationship it's so much more meaningful that you're choosing to do that because you, yes, you absolutely can leave that relationship. You can leave any relationship technically. So yeah, I think it's more meaningful when it's not someone that you're like, again, quote unquote, have to put up with. Right. <laughs> you choose right. to be there. Right. For sure.
1: It's definitely like you're, you are making a choice. And just like, I feel like polyamory is something that you're doing. And for me, it's love, is it, love, love is a choice. And so is making a choice to connect with the people in your life who are not blood as family and feeling those, those connections, those strings, um, whatever you want to call it, because you're, you're making that choice. And I feel like that's a lot stronger of a bond because you are making that choice. And it, whether it's every day or every week or what have you, it's still it's still happening.
0: And it's still a, a commitment, like an yeah. important commitment, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it said something before about said like not important labels, but what I meant by that is that labels are not important. And right. I was like, oh no, that's not what I meant. So, <laughs> so
2: oh hey, hello. <laughs>
0: hey. Hi. Am I too late? No, no, no. I mean, like, so we have been talking about parallel polyamory and relationship anarchy. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, cool. and then we actually just talked about um, like chosen family and and soul family and and people who enter your life uh, who aren't you know blood relatives right um, so we were just talking what about a that. great
2: great that's it's actually what i talked about in therapy on friday so oh
0: okay well i mean do you have anything to add about like um uh, chosen family and if you if you'd like i know you're kind of just jumping in so it might be a little bit <laughs> i don't know what
2: i'm adding because <clears throat> right, right, i don't right, know right. what i missed right um but what i will say is that I think that chosen family is a super powerful concept. And I think that it's something that's really can be remarkable and amazingly powerful about polyamory. I'm in a relationship right now where the person in the polycule with whom I am directly in a relationship is really a person who gathers people and Has a clear commitment that everybody's needs are going to get met. And it's not just like your emotional needs, your romance needs, your sexual needs. It's like, okay, let's put together a spreadsheet of all the house projects (laughs) for all the houses. And whose kids, you know, need more support with school? And what else do like people need in this polycule? And how can we make sure that everybody's getting all of those kinds of needs met. And I don't know that I've ever even thought about trying to develop that in relationships before. I, like that wasn't part of my monogamous marriage. <laughs> like, not even just trying to meet each other's needs really like that. And it's it just feels absolutely amazing. I love it. I mm-hmm. I'm I love feeling like I have something to contribute. I love feeling like other people want to make sure that my needs are met too. And it's just this really caring community. And I don't want to denigrate any of my previous or other relationships in any way. It's just a really particular way of thinking about the polycule that is bigger than I've thought about it before. And so when I was talking about that in therapy and being like excited and happy about it, the therapist who's very poly-friendly, she's, I, I, I see one of the official Milwaukee poly therapists. <laughs> I'm sure you all know other people who see her too, um, but she was just incredibly supportive and like, you know, that's really special and you guys have something really amazing going on and, and this is, you know, a fabulous community to be part of like yeah it is yeah <laughs> yeah it is
0: well so, we had talked a little bit about um kind of like the dreams and idolations of of having a little poly commune um how does parallel polyamory work if say people are living in the same house because that's kind of like the definition of of uh, of of kitchen table poly is like it's kind of like, well, if you're all together, can you all sit down and have a, a sit down at a table together, right? For breakfast. But um, when you have those like future poly goals of maybe living on a, on a piece of land together, how does how does that work with parallel polyamory, I guess, or even if it's just in your fantasies? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I think for us, it would be where we would have to determine who would be part of our, our commune and take and take their thoughts and needs into account so whether that be like we have one communal living space and then we each have our own separate living spaces and um I my husband and I are very very profound vegetable gardeners so we have that that's kind of where our um our plan I guess comes from our goal comes from and he grew up on a farm so he understands raising livestock and animals, things like that. So we would want to meet the needs of the land or whatever type of farming we would be doing and do that in a way where we can work together. So we would have to make sure that our partners um, would be on board with that portion. But when it comes to the living space, we would definitely have to examine that based on the time, right? Like whether that be, we each have like our own little Trailer or tiny home or whatever, and then communicate. You know how we're going to to spend time together, and I think for us that would probably be be the best um, outcome where we would have maybe a communal space and then each have our own individual living spaces as as needed. Yeah, sure.
2: That's a really cool idea. I love the idea of like there's a central space and maybe that's like a kitchen and living room kind of a space where you can cook and you've got space for food storage and food prep and, you know, hangout Mm -hmm. space, but you also have like your tiny house that's Mm -hmm. just yours. And it's totally separate from the hustle and bustle of
1: shared space. Right. And it just like right now with our other partners, we're all kind of introverted. So it just makes sense to like, to have our own spaces, uh, well, many of us are very introverted, but all kind of fall on the line where we each need our recharge time for sure, and um, that that could be beneficial as well.
0: Yeah, I've heard of you know polycommune-esque type spaces that were entire po- apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. I think there was one in like Brooklyn, New York, that was in an entire apartment complex with multiple units, and they were really only letting people apply who were poly not that they were applying to be in a relationship with anyone else but that they knew they would then know that everyone that was on in that apartment complex was open and understanding of other polyamorous folks and then there was also like some kind of communal space where they could have like dinners and hangouts or meetups or something like that And I was like, oh my gosh, the dream. That sounds amazing. Of course, (laughs) I have definitely
2: had like shared small apartment buildings circulated among the, you know, various members of the polycule, like, hey, do you think we could come up with enough money for this? Like, this isn't that expensive, (laughs) right? But it's never gone beyond the sort of speculative fantasy level of commitment. Yeah.
0: I think when people have kids, it's a little bit, it's an added level of difficult. Although we have interviewed someone who is from the Morehouse, or not Polycommune, but the Morehouse commune in California, where they specifically have like uh, an entire house for kids, but everyone does have their own house, I believe in that village, I guess they all have their own space, but then they, they also have like a space for kids to, to, to live and, Roam free and yeah, it sounded really interesting. I mean, they put a lot of thought into it. This was obviously it has been created decades. I mean, probably in the sixties. I think it was when it started, so it's been going for a couple decades now. And uh, and so they kind of have a, a a real good grasp on what what to do. But yeah, I think the kids obviously make things everything more complicated.
1: Yeah, I would agree. That definitely adds a different dynamic. I'm sure. So mm. I know
2: you guys did talk about. Um, some of the sort of chosen family ideas in here. Um, but I'm curious about how that connects to this farm um, and tiny home idea that that I kind of came in on the discussion of.
1: Yeah, so like I had mentioned, chosen family for us is, is people that are are not are not blood family, obviously, and friends um, who are your family partners, whatever people that you're choosing to connect with and and view them as family, as your people. And when it comes to like, um, Lindsay had asked like a polyamory goal. And I said that it would be like this hippie poly commune. And um, I think it, we would just, in regards to like a communal thing, you know, we would choose to, to view each other as always with our, any partnership that we have, we like to view each other as equals, and I think that would just extend into the the hippie poly commune where, you know, we're all working towards the goal of growing food or raising animals, what have you, um, loving each other, letting each other be the, the free people that we are, but all together making the choice to be together and work towards a common goal. Does that answer your question? I think it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So then that's like a next level of chosen family. Like it's really, you know, there's sort of the idea of chosen family that might be more broad, like your good friends who you have for holidays, but like, if you're all committed to this shared living space and this shared living goal, like that's a nuclear family level of commitment.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like we, I mean it's probably not going to, with, with everything that's going on in the world right now, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but it's things we've definitely talked about with um, my husband and I with each other and then with our other partners. And it's, it's something that we would eventually like to, to get to. And at that point, when it comes to purchasing land or looking for land, you know, we would definitely have to have a discussion about a, like, you know, who's on board? Like, are you really on board? And <laughs> B, you know, how, like, how do we all want to set this up essentially?
2: Right, right. Like mm-hmm. you'd really need it to set it up like a business in some ways because you're really owning things together and you yeah. need to spell out like who owns how much and what happens if something happens and somebody needs to get out for whatever reason, right. you know, and how do you... How do you make all those logistics work? Right. Which is, you know, a lot more difficult than the kind of happy fantasy.
1: No, for sure. And that's things we've set, We certainly considered like we would have to, to ensure that people, like you said, like it's like a business. Are you willing to invest? At what level um, you understand that this is an investment and yes, you are free to, to be yourself but we also have a common goal here to have the land, to work the land, to, to make it a success in that sense as well.
2: Right, like everybody's committed to, you know, working a minimum of n hours or, you know, whatever kinds of things like that.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, that- I, you know, imagining what that might look like, I have no idea what it would <laughs> actually look like.
1: Well, you know, being in Wisconsin also depends on the season, right? Busier right? in the spring. Summer less busy in the fall and winter, but yeah, for sure, right.
2: And if there's animals involved, you know, being committed to getting up at all hours is caretaking has to happen, and you know, whatever the demands of the environment are.
1: Yep, that's that's a good point, too. Yeah, so there's definitely, while well, we have, while well, you know, we practice a lot of relationship anarchy and not, you know, making. Uh, choosing to be together choosing to love each other choosing to connect is a choice something like where you move into having a commune of sorts where it's like a small farm that there definitely is um somewhat of a commitment or uh like a tie down where there's a little a little less freedom but when there's a group of people working on something versus like two people that can allow for other people to to have their freedom as well it would just have to likely be more scheduled right
2: yeah calendar on that seems next level (laughs)
0: yeah yeah I was just thinking about like the management of that will have to be a job in and of itself you know that uh like someone is going to be a manager of a household essentially uh well but it also could be a very communal effort of like figuring all of that out obviously uh I did want to ask though do you and your husband have a business together
1: we do yes so we have um we have a whole a whole entire business of where we teach people how to grow food. And so we have YouTube videos. We have a radio show. That's the main two right now. Before the pandemic, we used to give talks at libraries and garden centers, but obviously that's not happening right now. So our business currently is called The, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. And our radio show, we're actually changing it the name for next season because we are on 16 different stations throughout the u.s so it's a little bit confusing for people who are like you know in boston like why are we listening to a wisconsin (laughs) (laughs) that's fair so we're going into our fifth season of the radio show in 2021 and we've been making the youtube videos since uh 2011 i think so it's been a few years and um yeah so again If anybody's interested all of we have the radio show we have a podcast replay we have all of our videos if you just do an online search for the wisconsin vegetable gardener that's how you find us
0: that's That's very cool cool. yeah Mm -hmm. does that um complicate things at all with like i just know when when it comes to relationship anarchy the more labels that you have the more complicated things get and i imagine business partner is one that is uh I, it can complicate things. I don't know. Do you guys make it work really well?
1: <laughs> we do. We do make it work really well. And we, like we, our partners know that like Saturday mornings ish is our time to garden or do whatever we need to do. Um, and then Monday nights is when we record a radio show. So they know that as well. And that just is kind of how we, we fall into the the scheduling of things. And we extend our partners to let, you know, extend to our partners to let them know that like, if something does come up during that time, whatever, you know, we can try to work around it as best as possible. But most people, most, well, I shouldn't say most, all of them understand that just like, you know, a job, right? Like you work Monday through Friday from eight to five or whatever, like this is, since it's our business, it's, it's essentially our job. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. that makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense that you would want a, a land out in you know the middle of wisconsin i imagine i don't know where you would want land but somewhere easily that you could have a bunch of uh, vegetables growing that sounds awesome you know imagine do you live in milwaukee city like do you are you able to garden easily here or
1: so our our garden is in the city of milwaukee Mm -hmm. we we live outside of milwaukee a little bit but we rent so we don't have a lot of land options so my mom has this huge backyard and she's like if you want to use it for gardening please go ahead I don't really want to have to mow it Mm. and so that's what we we've done we've converted that into our garden and it's right in the city and um, it's what works for us but we would like to eventually move away because move away from that because we want to maybe have bees and Mm. um, (laughs) keeping bees in the city isn't the best idea so yeah um, so yeah so that's one thing and just like whether it be chickens or goats or what have you like just more a little bit more space more options more availability for the land yeah
2: that makes a lot of sense
0: it's kind of amazing what people do with city living with their tiny little like 11 by 11 backyards you know <laughs> like some I've mm-hmm. seen um so I was I was at a friend's house when I was visiting in New Orleans, and her next door neighbor had a chicken coop, and I swear it was a it was a quarter of their backyard. But they had a chicken coop with little chickens in it. I was like, "Well, that's cool." Uh, whereas my little sister, who lives out in the country, she has a chicken coop, but it totally makes sense where she is. Like, yeah, have four chickens when you have five acres of land, <laughs> you know. Right. But yeah, it's really cool what people can do in the city, and you know, like vegetable boxes that are like all over the place in their backyard. That, uh, yeah, like you can do a lot with a little bit of space, but gosh, it makes it so much easier if you have some room.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And in the city of Milwaukee, you can have chickens. I think it's like two or three or ba- I don't know what it ba- is based on, but it is a thing. Um, people do have chickens and yeah, you can do a lot with a little bit of space. And that's one thing that we do like to teach people is how to manage whatever space that they do have the best way to get the most yield out of their their girls.
0: That's cool. So I guess when it comes to like advice that you would give to people, maybe trying to navigate either parallel polyamory or relationship anarchy, do you have any, some uh, words of wisdom, even doing this now you said seven years or
1: cautionary words? <laughs> I would say definitely you have to be open to being self-aware. So if you are the type of person that knows that like, this would not work for you and you, but you think you want to try it and you're just like, maybe I'm going to try relationship anarchy, or maybe I'm going to try parallel poly, take that into account. Like if, if you were like, this is not going to work, but I'm curious, maybe explore that with a partner that is willing to explore that with you and understand that you might hurt each other. Um, and I feel like not that any of us intentionally want to hurt each other, but it's going to happen, right? Like, We all have feelings and this is what happens. So I think for anybody who wants to explore parallel poly or relationship anarchy, you have to be self-aware. You have to know how you feel as a person about certain things. If you want the security of a label and there's nothing wrong with that, or if you want the security of like, this is my partner and I make sure that I see them on Wednesdays every other week and every weekend or whatever, that's okay. But if you're okay with not always having an exact schedule and just letting your partners live their lives but also being feel, feeling free to ask for your needs because it's like i think sometimes people i think relationship anarchy are not having labels or staying with inside the lines that like i'm not fulfilled or i don't know if people think that at all but i have partners that i'm more than welcome to ask for my needs when i need to right and they can they can have the same from me. And that's just how it works. And I think that's another beautiful thing about it. Like we might not see each other on a regular basis or on a a scheduled basis, but when the needs are there, they're, they're going to be met. So whether it be today, tomorrow, or next week is what's dependent on, but it does happen. So there's a lot of good and bad things, but I think the biggest thing is being self-aware and knowing kind of what, what your needs are, how you want things to look and that is what makes it a lot easier versus then just blindly going into the the poly world and um, and seeing what happens. But that's what we do. Having some
2: idea of what you want is probably really good, whatever yeah. your poly orientation might be.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, and if you like, for me, I don't. I really realistically don't think I could have a partner that was into kitchen table polyamory. I think I would feel very strange and off put by it. And that's okay too yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with how
2: anybody does poly but you kind of have to be on at least similar pages if it's going to work
0: right you know i i like to explain it to people in in just like the the friendship kind of way if you have friends who have friends that you don't want to necessarily hang out with or have a relationship with at all that's not seen as even all that weird. It's, you know, it seem it's actually, I think seen as totally normal. Or if say your partner has friends that they go and watch football games with and you stay home because you don't like football, that's very normal. If you have a bunch of girlfriends you go out with and your partner stays home with the kid because they don't want to go get manicures, that's very normal. And it's, but then, you know, in the kind of poly community, it's, sometimes maybe even look down on if it's like, oh, but you don't want to have a relationship with your metamor. And some people do, and some people have great, and I, I have had past relationships and, and current that are great metamor relationships, right? But sometimes they're just not your people, you know? And sometimes you, and sometimes your partner is getting something totally different, like a, you know, Manny petty <laughs> with their partner that you don't necessarily want to get, right? Like, so... Um, So I think when I kind of bring it into just basic friendship mode, uh, relationship uh, analogies, it makes a little bit more sense. But like, yeah, I think that um, there's absolutely nothing wrong to be being like, that's not my thing. And maybe these aren't my people or maybe I just don't or I'm busy like, damn, like. Right. And again,
2: like that's perfectly valid. And so is like, wow, I have found this friend group where I just really enjoy all the people and I want to spend as much time with all the people as I can. And like, there's one isn't better than the other. They're just different experiences. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And I I think just being self-aware to that and knowing how you, how you kind of want to fit in or don't fit in is very important as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so sorry oh. that I was so late.
1: <laughs> okay. It happens. That's this is our this is our lives now, right? Like we just kind of have to go with the flow and yeah. So yep.
0: Well, uh, I hope everybody out there is uh, doing well and staying safe. I know the numbers in Wisconsin are going higher, so please wash your hands, <laughs> wear your <laughs> masks, stay safe. Bye. Bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer.
2: And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored.
2: Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com
0: if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash Uncensored, and simply click on the support this podcast button.
2: If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash Uncensored.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember,
2: we love you. Bye.